House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. That we have the incredible author uh, Diane Fanning with us on the line, and she's going to be talking about one of her books called Death on the River. Uh, thank you for being here, Diane. My pleasure, Alan. Well, Diane, um, it's been a while since we talked. Um, how how have you been doing lately? I've been doing pretty good, particularly this past week. The weather's been glorious. Lower humidity, lower temperatures. Can't beat it. I'm ready for fall. <laughs> <laughs> One week and that's it, eh? Running to the fall. Yeah, I don't blame you. Yes. How did you get into doing this book, Death on a River, on the River? I'm sorry. And and when you get when you choose a book or a subject like this to write a book about, how do you find it? Like what, what where do you get your ideas from? Well, some of my ideas are stories that I hear that pique my interest, and so I look into them and see about them. And then other times, um, it could be my agent runs across a story and tells me to take a look at it, or my publisher my editor at the publisher's office does and um, I, I'm always looking for stories where I feel like I can learn something new with this one I, you know I I thought it was an unusual uh, crime and I didn't know anything about kayaks I really didn't know anything about the Poughkeepsie area so it was an opportunity to learn about both of those and to get a little glimpse into Latvia at the same time. So that interested me. Well, you know, it's, it's certainly an interesting story. Um, it, what, what was your, uh, what, before we get into the crime itself, what was the overall thinking that you had on this story? Like when you um, first, first were covering it and, and following it, did you think she was guilty? Well, I tell you what, what the, is, I don't know how quickly, it was pretty early on that I learned that she had waited half an hour to call 911. And that, to me, is a pretty good indication of guilt. Um, people who are innocent tend to call 911 immediately. They may be incoherent, but they call. Right. It bothered me that it took her that long. And I was tending to think of her as guilty because of that. Yeah, it's certainly suspicious, you know, because if it's someone you really care about, you know, um, doesn't matter, boyfriend, parent, friend, you right away grab for the phone, unless you don't have a phone or you can't. So. Yeah, and, and there was, like, there was just this story that came out of, over the weekend about this guy who died, he was out in a kayak, and he died trying to save the life of his girlfriend. That's the kind of action you expect to see. Maybe he was being foolish in doing what he did, but he tried. How can you be engaged to be married to someone and care so little about them that you wouldn't put your own life on the line to save their life? Yeah. So so what's the basics of the story? Like kind of what's a, what's an overview of what actually happened that day? Well, that day was uh 
fraught with emotion because it, just uh, a couple weeks before that in April, uh, Vinny had laid the law down. He said, listen, if you're not going to get a job, then the wedding is off. We can't have this big fancy wedding and spend all this money if you're not going to work to pay for it. And Angelica didn't like that very much. It, it pretty much ticked her off. And I think that was the one thing that probably governed what happened that day. Uh, they went down to go kayaking. And they set across to go across the Hudson River. Now, neither of them had ever crossed the Hudson before. They'd both done kayaking, but never crossed the Hudson. And I'm not sure if they ever did any tidal rivers at all. And tidal rivers can be so tricky because the direction of the water will change on you. And they went, they went across, and it seemed like a beautiful day. And it's just a glorious spring day. And they got on the island, and they roamed around the island and drank a couple beers and uh, took some photographs. Uh, Angelique and Burlong some lingerie to pose in provocative pictures. And, and they were just having, having fun, like a lot of couples would do. And then they noticed the sky was closing in. And for some reason, that's when they decided to try to go to the back of the island. But they couldn't get there because the water was so rough. And they came back to the, the, the other side of the island. And then they decided that it was time they better go home. And they started going back across the river. And it got really, really rough. And... At first, Vinny was having a blast with it. He, you know, it was like an amusement park ride, and he was just hooping and hollering as they were going up and down in the waves. And then something went wrong, and his his kayak took on water, and he, uh, it overturned, and he was out of it, and. Angelica was still in her kayak, and she was close enough to him that she was able to take his paddle away. And yet, she did nothing to save his life. And she waited half an hour before she ever called 911. She waited till enough time had passed that the hypothermia had surely taken over and rendered him um, and all his muscles useless in that water. It was too cold. It was too early in the year to go into that water without a wetsuit on. And he had nothing. He didn't even have a life jacket. He had that little flotation device that was like a seat cushion when you were riding. He had that and that was it. And she took his paddle away. Hmm. And so, then she finally called 911. So, but do you, do you think that that was just a crime of opportunity in the fact that maybe she didn't plan it, she wasn't thinking to do it, but it sort of happened and she sort of took advantage of it? I do not think 
it would be humanly possible to uh, plan that particular crime out step by step because there were so many variables, yep. like the weather and the condition of the river. And um, But I do think that she had thought about his death more than once. Mm. And so she was thinking about it, and then this opportunity came, and she seized it. Exactly, and and that's that's kind of the way I look at it, too, um, to have actually planned to remove that plug and uh, have him have him drown the way he did. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, she would have to be some sort of criminal mastermind to have come up with that. Now, you know, and I think it's very possible that she removed the plug knowing that it might create a situation. Mm. She could have done that. Um, but they, And that was one variable that she could control on her own by taking it out. So she, it's very possible that she did that. Uh, it's very possible she removed the thing that held the two halves of the, the paddle together. Um, almost like she was flirting with death. With the, without making a real commitment. Do you think that maybe she had, was there any indication that she had done different things such as this before? Like, you know, did little things that might create a problem for him in other situations and this one just worked and maybe she had done a few of these things? Well, you know, I, I don't know of any of it, but I do know that she was extremely erratic and um, very narcissistic in the way she dealt with other men in her life. Um, like when she left uh, her husband uh, in New Jersey, she when she left him, she went back when he was visiting in Florida and cleaned out the house with everything she could fit into the vehicle she was driving including every piece of toilet paper in the house. Now, that's just not normal. That That's over the top. This guy had not done anything bad to her. She had just gotten bored with him. And then this guy that she moved in with, who lays down in front of someone's vehicle to keep them from going to work until they turn over a cat? I mean, really? It's a she must have really loved that cat. <laughs> oh, right. Well, she took it to live in a tent. If she really loved that cat, yeah. she would not have tried to let that poor thing live in a tent in the wilderness. Hmm. So was she just like, why didn't she just leave if she didn't like the guy? Or if she didn't like well, the guy? Well, she, she left a couple of other guys before, so yeah, why not? Why not? I think she was furious with him because he gave her an ultimatum. Uh, there was also a story that I could never confirm but would fit into the picture well that they were supposed to get married the summer before and he backed out. Now, Angelica 
would hold a grudge for that. Because that could have been part of it, if that did indeed happen. Um, she, she, she was very, very self-absorbed. So what was the ultimate goal, <clears throat> goal in the murder? Was it, uh, did she get an insurance policy, or was it, uh, what was the goal? I think she wanted to be rid of him, for one. I mean, her her, her uh, interview her interview with the police pretty much showed that was clear. Um, and the other was she knew she was on his insurance policy. And um, I don't know that she knew all the details off the top of her head of how much it was or anything, but she knew she was. She knew she'd get some money. She knew he was worth more to her dead than alive. Hmm. Wow, what a situation! Uh, how did she, how did she get involved in this um, to where she would actually, instead of walking away, um, kind of take advantage of a situation and and kill him? And and where, like what what did she think was going to happen? Do you think it was just about money and things were all going to be great afterwards? Oh, I think she thought she'd get away with it. Um, you know, a lot of people think that unless they held, held, held someone's head under the water, they could not be blamed for someone drowning. They don't think anybody would do anything about that. And, and I thought she, I think she thought she was going to walk. I mean, good heavens. He's out there missing, and she's doing cartwheels in the backyard and posting it on Facebook. This well, is not rational behavior. No, no. But, you know, but at least she didn't, you know, go live on Facebook when he was drowning or something. Well, true. <laughs> she could have done it live on Facebook. <laughs> she could have done it, you know. <laughs> yeah. How did the police actually capture them? Like, what was, what was the uh, thing that gave it away to them? Well, they were were um, looking at the fact that she was sort of like a widow. I mean, they weren't married yet, but she, they were sort of seeing her as a widow. And and she kept perplexing them because she uh, would say she would come in to talk to the detectives and then wouldn't show up. And when they'd hear from her, oh, well, I was having too much fun at the animal shelter. Well, you know... That's a pretty lame excuse when your fiancé is still missing. Um, so I think that probably started thinking is, there might be something going on here. But they honestly thought she was just weird until the day came that she told them that she was having marital problems, well, a relationship problem. And she started talking about what she had done with the plug in the kayak and the paddle all out on that island. She, she was like just spewing her guts out to one of the detectives. And you, you wonder why she did that. She might not, they might not have ever thought they had enough to arrest her if she hadn't basically... Uh, drawn a target on her body. 
So uh, do you think she was just really naive or, or kind of stupid? or? Um... I think she thought that she could sweet-talk her way out of anything when it came to men. I think she thought she could convince those detectives that what she did was justified and they just let her go. I mean, who flirts with a detective that's arresting you for murder? I mean, really? <laughs> I've always thought you were cute. What? Yeah. Uh, so, did she have family? Did did they have parents? He have parents? Um, how how did that go with the family? Were, were, was anybody supporting her? Her family lived, still lives in Latvia. So, um, and and they they never had a lot of money. I understand they did try to help with her defense to some extent, but I don't know how much. Um, and. Uh, of course, they tended not to believe, and they also, um, having been through living behind the Iron Curtain for quite a while, and they develop a pretty much a negative feeling towards people of authority, so they didn't believe what the detectives were saying. Uh, Vince's parents... On, on the other hand, his mother was the only one that was living. His father had died years before. But he ha also had a sister. And at first they were giving uh, Angelica the benefit of the doubt. But her behavior basically was kind of freaking them out. She was giving away his belongings while he was still missing. She uh, did a cartwheel in their yard. Uh, sitting back, smoking cigars and drinking whiskey like nothing had happened. Uh, it, it really made them start getting suspicious, and they talked to the police about their suspicions. But it, but at first, they wanted to give her the benefit of the doubt. They didn't want to believe it, just like so many of Vinny's friends. They just didn't want to believe it. This one guy even said, I couldn't believe that little peanut took his life. Yeah. Well, they never had kids or anything, did they? No, they did not. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. So so what now so what eventually happened to her? She ended up what kind of conviction did she get? She got a the, the lowest homicide conviction you can possibly get. You know, just basically said I'm responsible, but you know, not so much. And she was at, she was sentenced in the first of November, and she was out before Christmas that year. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. So they, I'm reading here, they wanted to charge her with second degree murder uh, and second degree manslaughter, but she pled guilty to criminally negligent homicide. Yep, yep. Wow. And yeah, it's about as low as you can go in the homicide charges. I think in most states and. Um, yeah, she, now she did get probation, uh, and it's possible, 
she could be deported. She may have gone back of her own free will. I saw a picture of her in Latvia not too long ago. So I'm not I'm not sure. And it wasn't there some civil action by Vincent's family as well? Yes, and they got to the point where they just didn't they didn't want to deal with it. I mean it was too much pain and too much to go through and they they reached a settlement. Wow. So so yeah. she she really got away pretty easy. Yeah. Now she didn't actually get the money. Um it all went towards her legal fees, so her attorney got all the money. And she's been criticized a lot for saying that she wasn't going to go for any of the insurance money or anything, and then she did. But I don't really think that's her fault. I think she decided on her own she did not want to go after that money. And then the attorney said, oh, yes, you will, because you owe me all this money. What are your thoughts on the uh, episode on the confession tapes about uh, about her and how they painted her? Well, you know, I I really think um, I mean I I've listened to all all the way through, and I think that she's the one that painted herself. Yeah, I mean the things she said. I mean, if I had even accidentally cause someone's death, you know, I wouldn't be bad-mouthing them. You know, I'm sorry. And there's no way to know what was truth and what wasn't. She had plenty of time while he was missing to concoct a story. She had a friend who told me that in her experience, all the men in that area of, of the world were... All they wanted was three-way sex with two women. And, you know, is that where she got that idea from, that friend? Or is this something that Vinny um, maybe fantasized about and talked about but never actually intended to go through with? I mean, people do a lot of that. They fantasize without really wanting to do something. And, you know, so you don't know. You can't ask. You don't know what what the situation would be there. If you ask him, what would he say? But she's the only one that knows what went on behind closed doors between the two of them. And it makes it easier, easy for her to make up a story because of that. Wow. Um, <clears throat> another uh, great uh, crime case to cover. <laughs> <laughs> in, in the world um, how's the reaction been to the book and the story have you heard from her at all or her, her attorney actually I did I have heard from her um, she wrote to me uh, and, and and said that you know she never she never responded to the, the letters I sent her but uh, she wrote to me she said I'm sorry I didn't respond to you my lawyer told me I couldn't and, uh, you know, I mean, she was very positive. I, I don't know if she's read the book. I have no idea, but she was, it was very, we exchanged a couple of messages, and it was all very positive. She, she accepted my friend request that I made when I first 
got involved with this story, uh, so, which was kind of odd, but, you know, those things do happen. Wow. That's great. Yeah. Uh, you, can, you can maybe have tea with her someday. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Go, go as, out. as long as you're not on a kayak, I mean, yeah. you're fine. Yeah. Well, you know, some people can switch back and forth from their means of homicide, and she might switch to poison if we had tea. Gotcha. Yeah. Just, uh, just uh, you make sure you make the tea. That's all. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Now, did this did this crime remind you of anything or any other crimes you'd been through? Like, was there some similarities to any? It reminded me a little bit of um, the the one I wrote about Dean. Uh, oh Lordy, I lost his last name. But Dean was uh, pretending to be a doctor in New York City, and he got busted. Uh, and then while he had already been busted, it was helping people. Um, look into getting um, the people that enabled him. Dean Fialo was still practicing medicine on the side without a license. And he took in a patient and when she uh, started going into seizures, he called the a physician that he knew who worked in an trauma center and he said what can I do and he said you need to take a run away four blocks away from you there is a trauma center get her there immediately or she's going to die and Dean decided well let's see do I risk getting thrown into jail because I'm practicing medicine again or do I wait and see if she can kind of pull through it on her own so he gambled with her life and she lost and I thought about that one because that wasn't uh, that wasn't something that was just out and out murder. It was something that it was something he let happen rather than something he actually uh, did himself. Uh, and that is like what she did. She sort of just let it happen. Yep, that crime of opportunity that Alan was talking yeah. about. Yeah. Wow. Well, <clears throat> so where, where do you draw your influences from when you write? Oh, gee, influences. You know, I think they're, I'm a very eclectic reader. Uh, I, I have a whole lot of variety in what I read, and I think um, I sort of have a mongrel of influence. Um, that that just pulled me in multiple directions. Sam Keen is someone who I admire as as an author, but he's a science writer, and he wrote a book that I was absolutely fascinated by about the periodic table of elements. And I know that sounds bizarre, but he was he could he could take complicated things and make them easy to understand. And I think that that's a really important skill if you're writing nonfiction. So he, he's definitely an influence. Um, 
But I also, uh, my favorite fiction writer is James Lee Burke, and a lot of the way he writes, though, uh, I could not put into nonfiction because it's, um, it's too much focused on the descriptions that would get in the way of telling the crime story. And so I, I follow his sensibilities sometimes, but not particularly his style. Hmm. So now, um, where do you go from here? What, what, what's your plans next? Are you going to write another book? Um... I'm looking for a uh, true crime story that will excite my publishers as much as it excites me. I've, I've, I've struck on a couple of them. Um, and I'm also right now in the middle of writing uh, another mystery novel. Wow. <laughs> now, do you have a website or a uh, place that people can come find you? Yes, dianefanning.com. Oh, that was easy. And your little dog, too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <clears throat> well, Diane, it's been a pleasure, as always. Such a good writer and entertaining, and uh, we were glad you took some time to come on the show. And uh, the book is uh, Death on the River. We'll have it linked on our website. Thank you, Diane. Thank you very much. It was nice talking to you guys. Bye-bye. Thanks, Diane. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. The mission has been completed. The end! By George, he's got it! It is the end! I'll see you. If you're lying to me, I'll be back. This has been a production of Something Weird Media.